realignment. It has been the talk of the college football universe for the last month, and it continues to heat up with rumors about the Big 12 poaching a number of different Pac-12 schools. I'll break down why I think realignment and bringing in all of the possible Pac-12 teams to the West Coast is the best possible outcome for the Big 12 and for Texas Tech on today's episode of Locked On Texas Tech. Our Locked On Texas Tech. Your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Texas Tech podcast. I am Emery Lada, your host, as always. Thank you for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. And I say every day because starting next week, we are going back to every single day. Coverage of football season gets ready to go. We'll have, I'll have a ton of pre- previews and content when it comes to position previews, insights from training camp, as well as some predictions for the upcoming season. But that's all in the next week or two. For now, we're still staying a long realignment talk. And I have to say, first off, if you haven't checked out some of my previous podcasts about that, I have the Big 12 Roundtable that is visible wherever you get your podcast. We t- touched on realignment a couple of weeks ago. I had an individual podcast on why tech, it's been in tech's best interest for the Big 12 to expand. You can check on that as well. That will be anywhere you get your podcast as well as on YouTube. And for more content, you can talk to you can check check out the Locked On Big Twelve podcast, which has a lot of information on that as well. But in the meantime, it's been a while since I've talked about realignment. So, the Big Twelve and the Pac Twelve, we've heard news about it for a while at this point. It seems like Texas Tech is firmly in the Big Twelve. That that much is not going to change. But at one point, it seemed like merger was on the table. We heard some fallback from that. Pac-12 refused to budge on that. Specifically, teams like Oregon State, Washington State, and UC seem to be kind of on the little bit on the outside looking in when it came to those talks. And so that meant that they were really out of favor. It's in their best interest for the Pac-12 to stay together. And so the last week or so, it seems as if the talk about merger has been sort of subsided a little bit and so we haven't seen quite as much discussion when it comes to both conferences working together and more along the lines of the big 12 is still in their best interest to poach schools like arizona washington we've heard oregon might be in the mix as well but recently a school that's come into the equation is stanford and i want to talk about stanford for a minute because obviously you have the academic and the brand-based prestige that comes with stanford you also have a team in the football side of things, had been really good. I think the transfer portal is going to be sort of a little bit of a demise to Stanford football because of the amount of academic prestige that they have and the requirements of getting into Stanford is pretty heavy and limiting when it comes to seeing what a team has. I mean, if you're talking about having only being able to take on certain transfers, that's going to hurt your overall recruiting ability, especially when teams have massive amounts of their players brought in through the portal. So, For me, I look at Stanford and I have a feeling they're going to be kind of on the demise when or on the decline when it comes to football success, but they're still a nice brand to have in the Big 12 and they would draw nice numbers. Berkeley is in California, Cal, Berkeley, whatever you want to call it. They are another good 
example of a team, but not necessarily the greatest on the grid I am, but a nice market, a nice branding opportunity to bring in. Those two schools seem to be kind of the newest discussions on the Big 12 front, but I'd say I'm not entirely sold on that being the case. I think both of them have reason to stay on the Pac-12, kind of a more exclusive conference. Even if the Pac-12 survives, you're kind of looking at those programs maybe having more lucrative TV deals just because of the average cost will go, or the average uh, share for each team in the Pac-12 will go up. So for them, it makes sense. But for a team like Utah, a team like Arizona, Colorado, those schools, it makes sense for them to realign. And my good friend, Tech Hoops Guy Hunter, if you don't, do not follow him on Twitter, I don't know what you're doing, but it's at Tech Hoops Guy. He had a thread about the TV deal because basically to provide a little bit of backstory, uh, Stuart Mandel of The Athletic um, had an interesting thread a few days ago when it came to the overall um, complexion of tech of the TV deals going on and what the Pac-12 had from an advantage standpoint and basically made the case that because the Pac-12 was drawing more numbers because they had access to the late night exclusive games, that gave them an advantage in negotiations with the Big 12. But what he failed to recognize is that if these schools realign, you're going to still have that TV advantage. It's the same reason the Big 10 and media days were talking about how pretty soon they would have four entire TV or they would have four zones um, covered when it came to time zones. So they'd be playing from morning until night. And so that's something that I think really plays a big factor. If the Big 12 has the potential to expand into four time zones, which would give it a comparative advantage. So expanding West, if you're looking at the TV deal coming up, it makes the most sense for Texas Tech. It makes the most sense for the Big 12. Because even if you lose a little bit of TV revenue from this next deal, the amount of eyes that's going to be on your on your conference product is going to increase. And I think having a competitive competitive market that brings in an untapped advantage of having every single market or every single time zone utilized. Because even in the Big Ten, I mentioned four zones, zone, there's actually three because they won't have anything in the mountain zone. So you have every single inch of the U.S., at least one time zone is represented outside of obviously Alaska and Hawaii. But besides that, you have the potential if you expand into California or Washington or Oregon or whatever, to really take on every single time zone. So having something stretching from east to west, obviously in previous years would not make a lot of sense. You wouldn't necessarily see that sort of expansion being a logical fit. But as long as you have travel partners from California or from up in the Pacific North, Northwest, it makes sense to expand westward. It's the best for the Big 12. Of all the Big 12 and the Pac-12 schools, it is the only way they're going to be in a conference that is going to match any, up anywhere close to what the Big Ten and the SEC is. So even if you lose a little bit of money from the deal, you have to make that take that risk. You're not going to win in the long run just by playing the game in the current Big 12 with 12 teams. That's not going to happen. For the Pac-12 teams, the same thing goes. You're not going to build a power conference that's going to match up with some of the other, t- the other two big mega conferences that we're about to see in the Big Ten and the SEC just by standing pat. You're going to need to make changes. And so... I think adding at least four of the Pac-12 schools, expanding Western, expanding all the way out to the full-on West Coast, it's going to be fun from a football standpoint because you can watch football all the way from noon until midnight. And it's going to be nice from a TV standpoint because you can slot games onto the primetime networks in the late night areas and also continue to utilize the sort of second-tier networks throughout the middle of the day. So it really has a lot of versatility for networks. It helps out the teams. 
it helps out Texas Tech. It makes them be put on a national brand. And I think expansion is necessary. That's the only way we're going to get the ship written. But in the meantime, that's all about realignment for today. I'm going to talk next up about the Air Raiders TVT team that wrapped up their play with a loss to Wichita State's tournament team in the most recent weekend. But first, I've got a message from Built Bar. If, the, if you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of the life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Ready? It's delicious cookie dough bites. Made by Built Bar, the newest puffs, they are incredible. Cookie dough chunk puffs have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it's healthy and delicious for you. Again, that is the Built Bar Cookie Dough Puffs. I have tried it. It is amazing to eat. I have to say, out of all of the new flavors that Built Bar has come up with, that is my favorite one. So, Puffs, again, only 160 calories. They have 15 grams of protein on them. You can run to BuiltBar.com to snag a box for you and for the whole family. It'll help you out whether you're working out, whether you're going on a hiking trip, or if you're just simply hungry. They have the right flavor. They're healthy for you. And you can save 15% off by going to built.com using promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCK15 at built.com to get 15% off of the new cookie dough chunk built puffs. Back again on Locked On Texas Tech, now talking about the Air Raiders basketball tournament team, the TBT tournament, one of the most influential tournaments over the last decade. It happens every summer. And this team, I mean, you were led by a lot of former Texas Tech stars, guys like Tariq Owens, Matt Mooney was on the team. You also had Ayer Smith, who I don't believe played. You had Zach Smith as well. If you haven't checked out the TBT, it is a really good tournament to watch. And, I mean, they've had some really exciting games. And so, game one for Tech came against the B1 Ballers, a game winner there. You were able to survive on that one. Ended up losing to Wichita State in the second round. A close-fought game. Wichita, again, hosted this regional that was in Wichita. So, a little bit of a disadvantage for Tech. But if you look at what this team was able to do, it was really a good blast from the past. You had a lot of former Tech alum on the team. Like I mentioned, Justin, or you had... Zach Smith, Tariq Owens, Matt Mooney, Zach, or, um, Davion Warren, Justin Gray. All of those guys were on the team. You added in guys like Peter Kiss and other really good stars from other college, college basketball teams. And so it made sense for this team to do well. Unfortunately, Wichita State's team was still really good, so that just did not quite come together. But as a whole, I mean, this team, it was fun to watch their – sort of development heading into the summer. And unfortunately, TVT is a very difficult team to end up facing. And so just in general, like this team, you can't be disappointed too much. This is just a summer fun thing. Obviously, they're going for a million dollars for the winner. We've seen teams like Overseas Elite, who's no longer competing. They had a really good run of four straight championships. So Bayheim's Army won last year, the Syracuse alum. In general, this is a really good team it was fun to see them come back together and even though they didn't win still good to just kind of get a good feel for some of the older players from texas tech i mean north odiase was one of the few guys that kind of dropped out but it's going to be fun to see next year i have to expect this team is going to come back together in the future because 
there's a lot of promising tech alum. There's more tech alum coming up in the future that are going to be joining this team. It was coached by Luke Adams, so you got a little bit of a feel for how he's going to be doing in his first year as an assistant for Texas Tech. But in general, I mean, this team, I was a big fan of it. It was really nice to see kind of just the development of everything coming together. TBT, I'm looking forward to watching the quarterfinals coming up. That's going to be a lot of fun. But yeah, I mean, this team, the Air Raiders, they had a lot of success. And I know this is a short segment, but I just want to give a shout out to them. In terms of looking at what their future holds, obviously you've got guys like Justin Gray that will probably return overseas. Tariq Owens, not sure exactly what his plans are going to be. Davion Warren gets ready to set up for his first season in professional basketball. Peter Kiss finishing off his college career. You've got a number of guys coming in that are going to be notable. So all of those guys have a bright future in basketball. And it was just extremely nice to see them playing. And going forward, I'm excited to see what Tech can do in the TV in TBT because it's a type of tournament that really fits in with what not guys that aren't quite able to make it to the NBA, maybe because of age or simply just battle up. It's their chance to show out on a national scene. Games televised on ESPN, ESPN2. Fortunately, Tech was on ESPN3 for their game against Wichita. But in general, this was a fun tournament to watch, even if it only lasted for two games for Tech. And speaking of tournaments, another thing to take a look at is the Summer League performances. I have not had a chance to discuss that. Wrapped up about a week and a half ago with my Portland Trailblazers winning the Summer League title for a dynasty. That's two in the last four years. But on the topic of Tech players in the Summer League, you had you ended up having Mac McClung able to secure a contract with the Warriors. Originally started out the summer on the Lakers. Only lasted through Utah. You got bought out and signed by the Warriors to add on to their Summer League roster. That worked out really well. He had a number of fancy passes, dropped 20 in a game. He had a really impressive summer. You did Anas Arms, who was also on a summer league team. He played for the Nuggets, did not find a way to get their two-wave contract, which was ridiculous that they gave Jack White the contract over him. That's just the Nuggets making a dumb decision. I'm not going to hesitate to call them out on that because I really do think Arms has a lot more versatility and potential than what Jack White does as someone that's watched Jack White at Duke. He's not a very good player outside of the three-point shooting. So it was unfortunate, but Arms had his best game in the last game of the summer league, 20 points. I believe it was on six and nine shooting. Very efficient from the field. He was extremely effective in that game. Showcases defensive versatility. Had a couple of nice, really nice dunks, including one on the Clippers. But he is someone... I really think is going to shine, whether it be in the G League or if he goes overseas for a year or two. We have not seen the last of Adonis Arms. I mean, just looking at some of how he was able to play, when he was on the court for, his, for the Nuggets, it was a defense that really kind of stood out for me because it was something he struggled with a little bit at Texas Tech. But Arms is someone who I felt like put together a really nice showing in the summer. So just unfortunate that he kind of showed all had an unfortunate into his summer league, not getting the final two-way spot, but he will be back, whether it be with the Nuggets or another team. I would not be shocked if he got poached and put on Exhibit 10, which for those of you that don't know, is a tra- basically a training camp contract for in, for the NBA. You see a lot of guys get that coming out of summer league. It's kind of reserved for high-performance guys. Other notable tech players, you have Bryson Williams down in Miami. He is another guy that really had an impressive summer league. Not exactly sure what his next steps are going to be, but he's had a really good summer. He showed out a couple of really nice games as well. You also had Kyler Edwards for the Spurs, kind of played sparingly, but 
did have a couple of nice threes. I doubt he's going to make any sort of waves or make it onto the roster this year. But again, someone that might get stashed in a G League, be a roster filler and over there, play for Austin Spurs. If it goes well for him, he could find himself on an NBA roster coming into next season. So there's a lot of upside with these former tech guys. But in general, this basketball this basketball summer has been fun to keep an eye out for former tech players. And there's even more to talk about coming up next, because I'm going to take a look at the current Texas tech basketball team, give a little bit of an update from what I've been hearing in the off season, as well as just give a brief state of the union and update on what we're going to be looking at in the near future when it comes to basketball. Cause obviously football content, that's going to be the main source of discussion as we get really close up to football season. But think it's worth taking a look at this basketball roster because there's a whole lot of questions to be answered but first got some message for some of our sponsors back again on locked on texas tech talking about basketball and i want to just cover some of the things that i've been hearing kind of discuss that so first off Good information can be found on Red Raider Sports. I feel like that is something that I've brought up a number of times on the basketball side of things. But if you haven't checked them out, you can get a subscription there. It is well worth the money. You're going to hear a lot of the things that I talk about here, in addition to even more really nice nuggets. But pretty much getting into the meat of discussion, one of the things that was talked about on there was about Daniel Bacho and some of the developments that we've seen from him over the summer. Reportedly, really, really showing out in some of the practices been as good, if not better, than what we've saw, saw, what we've seen from Fardell's AMAC and just in general looked the part of an extremely composed player. A big development from year one from Bacho at Texas Tech. And so just hearing about that, the big things that we've heard of his improvements on has just been his offensive consistency and understanding has been something that I've heard good things about in the last couple of weeks. That is going to be well worth monitoring. We know defensively, his switchability is impressive. His shot blocking instincts are really good, but offensively, seems to feel, seems to seems to be like he's kind of felt himself more in an offensive role. He's been able to work as a screener more effectively, and he's also supposedly been developing his playmaking quite a bit. So that's one of the, some of the things on Bacho. Also heard really good things about Jalen Tyson, as has just about everybody, but that's not really much of a surprise. The shot, big thing there is the shot creation ability. For Jalen Tyson, we really saw that on his high school tape at John Paul. It was one of the biggest things that he brought to the table. It's part of the reason why he was such a highly touted recruit when he first came to Tech and then later to Texas. He really has a lot of potential on the offensive end. The shot looks really pure. The creation is underrated. There's a lot of reasons to be optimistic on Jalen Tyson. And so for that reason, I feel like there's a lot of optimism around the forwards in general. I mentioned in one of my past podcasts that the forward position was one of the most unknown situations on the entire team. You've also had guys like or a guy like Elijah Fisher come in, and it's really not – it's up in the air as to what he can do. We saw the really good U19 run he had for Team Canada – so a lot of potential, or I think it might have been U20. But the point is, he's had some really good FIBA showings recently. And coming over in his first few practices for Texas Tech, hearing nice things about his scoring ability. And then beyond that, I mean, Lamar Washington, that is the guy that I really feel like kind of just going purely off of speculation on this one. But you've heard just little whispers about what he can do, bring to the table. 
He's a really, really talented scorer. And I just think his, um, his tenacity defensive length as well is going to really come into fruition. So that's all. Again, it's a little bit hard for me to get day-to-day information from way outside of Lovick, but you can have a lot of good information. You can find that, again, whether it be here. Again, the Red Raider sports guys have a lot of interesting stuff coming out of the offseason. They're more the day-to-day type of stuff. I'm going to give you as much as I hear, so I'm going to continue to update you guys there. In the meantime, though, we're going to continue covering quite a bit of basketball, even during the offseason for football, getting up as we go every day. I'm going to try to dedicate at least one episode a week to basketball, just taking a look at some of the guys on the roster. I still have to preview the forwards and the bigs. That is my next podcast coming up about basketball. That should be coming out in the next week or two. I'm also going to take a look at the Lady Raiders and kind of give an offseason update for them as well. That's something that I'm really excited to do. And then we're going to start getting into individual previews. If you recall last year, Ryan and I, when we were still in Nomad Atlantis, had quite a bit of offseason coverage. That's my intention this year is to bring as much as as much depth as possible to each of the 13 players on scholarship for Texas Tech and provide quite a bit of insight, whether it be from KJ Allen all the way up to Kevin O'Banner, providing as much insight, depth, detail as I can so that you guys can come into the season knowing what to expect, at least from a film standpoint. There's always going to be unknowns and, and question marks regarding the rotation, but my hope is to make sure that everyone that listens can be as 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 knowledgeable as possible about individual players when it comes to kind of their tendencies, how I expect them to fit into different lineups, and what I see their outlook for the season being. That's going to be the basketball side of things, the football side of things, business as usual. We're going to continue doing the position preview starting tomorrow. We're going to have the defensive line preview out. We'll also be previewing Kansas State later in the week, so stay on the lookout for that. And then once we get into everyday coverage, I'm going to be talking about obviously continuing the football previews and the position previews, continuing to update with the different game previews. I'm planning on doing twice a week down the stretch there. And then I'll have insights and analysis from the Texas Tech fall camp. That is going to be coming up in the near future. But in the meantime, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at Eraser41. You can follow the official Locked On Texas Tech Twitter account at Locked On TTU. You can find us wherever you get your podcast, whether it be Spotify, Apple Pod, Google Pod, whatever, we're there. And we are here and available every single day starting next week. And if you want more content, whether it be about realignment or other Big 12 teams to get the scoop, you can look no further than the Locked On Big 12 account. Make that your second listen. We're host, everyday host Josh Neighbors. For us, all the insight and information that you need to know about the Big 12 and the surrounding teams, you can find all of the rotating panel panelists of Locked On Big 12, whether that be myself or guys like Jonathan Davis over at the Locked On Longhorns, John Williams with Locked On Sooners, Stephen Simcox of our good friend at TCU. Yeah, our good cactus friends that seem to think that Texas Tech is on desert. You can find him. You can find all of us on the Locked On Big 12 account where we have roundtables being pushed every week. So, For your second listen, make Locked On Big 12 your second listen starting every day next week. That has been all for today's podcast, and I will see you tomorrow.